Hello? You play to win the game. Hey, what do we do when we get the ball? My Applehead, all you gotta do when you get the ball is go that way. Go that way. <laughs> Al Bundy, do you know what a hero you are to me? I presume you're referring to my four touchdowns in one game? Arizona 50, the Sioux Falls Storm 41. The Arizona Rattlers are your 2017 United Bowl champions. Flutie flushed. Throws it down. Caught by Boston College. I don't believe it. It's a touchdown. The Eagles win it. Unbelievable. I don't believe it. Celebrate an Arena Bowl championship. Once again, the champions are the Philadelphia Soul. It's my pleasure to present the National Championship Trophy to Coach Davo Sweeney and the Clemson Tigers. But in the end, Ottawa took the trophy for the Red Blacks Canadian football glory. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of This Week in the World of Football. This is episode number 5 for September 10th, 2017. This is the show that covers all aspects of the football world with an emphasis on football history. I'm your host Randy Snow and across the table from me as always is my son Adam. Just glad to make it today. We're <laughs> yeah. recording a little late today. Yeah, you were camping so all So thank weekend. you for uh, holding over for me. No problem. So we got it all in, let's get this done. No problem. We are coming to you, as always, from our secret World of Football Man Cave, located in the center of the football world, Kalamazoo, Michigan. So let's talk about what happened this week. And we're going to start with the NFL, which yep. kicked off its season Thursday night, Thursday which night. I didn't get to see the game, because that's when I, I was camping. I did not either. I, but I, uh, enlighten me. What happened? What did I miss? I caught a few minutes of the game. I, I didn't watch a whole lot of this game either. Um, I just assumed that New England was going to win. Uh, and I was shocked uh, when I saw that Kansas City actually won that game 42-27. And you know what they say when you assume something. It makes yes. an ass out of you and me. Yes, I know. So <laughs> the Madden curse striking early there. Tom Brady on the cover of Madden this year. And what happens? They lose the season opener. I thought this was going to be a closer game. I mean, I just assumed I, that yeah. New England was going to win. I would have thought, uh, you know, the Patriots, first game of the year. So they right. always talk about, you know. And they're at home. You give Bill Belichick. How many weeks to prepare prepare for a game? And what has he done since winning the Super Bowl? He's prepared for week one of the next yeah. season. Yeah. And it's very strange. But Andy Reid's also, a, I won't say he's equally as good a coach, but he is a darn good coach as mm-hmm. well. So, I mean, kudos to the, the Chiefs. And maybe the tide's shifting towards uh, the Red Fury out there in Kansas City. I'm not going to count New England no, You can't out. count them out. Never count them out. But I'm nope. just saying, look out for Kansas City this year. Yeah. Congratulations to the Chiefs on a big week one win. 
In other news, last week it seemed like Hurricane Harvey was all the news all down over. in Texas. Uh, it affected a lot of games and, and everything. This week it's Hurricane Irma in Florida, mm-hmm. and right behind Irma is another tropical storm, Jose, that's right on her heels. So that's affecting a lot of games in Florida. Yeah, so we'll see what kind of shuffling and shifting around is going to happen here in the coming weeks. I mean, first and foremost is making sure that, you know, the people in in Florida are taken care of first. I mean, obviously that comes first before worrying about where these games are going to be played. But it is a good escape escape for people during uh, these times where I'm sure people are just stressed out. And, you know, they look forward to Sunday where they can just block that out for three hours and just watch their teams play. Well, the Tampa Bay-Miami game has been canceled, and I, they, there hasn't been talk about when that was going to be rescheduled yet. I, I thought I, I saw somewhere about them moving it to a bye week yeah, coming but, down the road. So I, But then they'd have to play 16 straight weeks. So, so we'll I, see. The NFL we'll usually see. figures it yeah. out. So The jury's still out on that yeah. one, but that game has been canceled. And that's the only NFL game that was canceled this week due to that. There are other college games that have been canceled, and, yeah. and a lot, probably a lot of high school and everything. But uh, right now, that's the only NFL game that was canceled. J.J. Watt continues to collect money for uh, Hurricane Harvey relief, and he's now up to $30 million. $30 million. Wow. Yeah, kudos to this man. I mean, uh, I don't think I've ever seen this in sports before, you know, a, a single player just being, you know, that selfless and be, like just trying to get out and trying to raise money to help the people yep. in his city. Yep. So kudos to him. And I was telling you off mic earlier about how, his grandmother went to church today wearing a J.J. Watt jersey, but on the back it said Grandma Watt mm. to, to show her appreciation <laughs> for her grandson for you know, raising so much money for uh, the city of Houston and all affected by Hurricane uh, Harvey. Yeah. So kudos to Mr. Watt. Yep. Yep, a great job by him. Keep up the good work. Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows how much he'll... Uh, it, could keep, it could keep rising, and who knows if that'll spill over into relief for what may be coming from Irma and Jose. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, he set the bar pretty high for anybody else that wants to try. And, and I think I think more and more players are getting into this. Like mm-hmm. as uh, we watched the Lions game today, mm-hmm. um, Lions safety Glover Quinn, uh, from had, who is from Houston, has said he would donate five thousand dollars for each interception he gets during the season. And so kudos to him. Hopefully, more players have goals like that. And hopefully, it's not just setting goals like that. Hopefully, right. you know they are being a little. Uh, more selfless and just like you know, here's a straight up donation. But on top of it, I'll right. you know if I if I do all these things, it'll just be a bonus. So it'll give people watching those players like a little more enthusiasm when they see somebody make an interception. Like that's another five thousand dollars he's gonna donate just because he did that. Like so, kudos to the not just JJ Watt, not Clover Quinn, but all the players around the league who are at least taking a step back, realizing that the people affected. It's a bigger deal than just the game on the field yes and glover quinn did get one today he did get he an did yep a, a decent interception and a lions victory yep i'm just gonna <laughs> i'm gonna get it out of the way now because we've had a slew of nfl games today we're recording a little a lot later than usual so mm-hmm. some of the nfl games are in our lions one that's where we'll leave it now you were camping so, all weekend, camping so all weekend. you told me a few yep. days ago that you wanted me to DVR the game. And I didn't believe you'd do it and not watch it and i didn't we believe you'd watch do it. it together when you got home yep and I did. Yep, you followed through, and I feel bad because I literally deleted my Lions app, I deleted my NFL app, and I deleted the ESPN app so that I would get no notifications, I would not see any scores, and what did I do once 1 o'clock rolled around? I got on Twitter, and I was like, let's just see what's going on and see what people are saying about the game, 
and I kind of was following it through the first half. And then I called neg- you, and then you said you didn't watch it, so then I went completely dark. I felt bad. Many negative comments about the early part of the game, and it was bad. Oh, yeah, that was an ugly first quarter for Detroit. Yeah. Ugly first quarter of football in general for both teams. But first week of the NFL season, a lot of rust. I mean, shoot, four preseason games, and what, like the starters probably only played maybe one, technically one game, like uh, from beginning, you know, if you allot 15 minutes or series play, it's probably just one game experience technically. What was the final score today? Final score, 35-23. Lions beat the Cardinals. So, yep, we're going to toot our little horn there for our Lions because who knows, it could get rough here on out. So celebrate while you can. And, yes, I did notice your your new T-shirt that you're pulling out I got a new T-shirt here. today. I and bought it before the game. Yep, I've been seeing these around at our local uh, grocery chain, uh, Meyer. Mm-hmm. The Come On Detroit, I want just one before I die with a Super Bowl trophy on it. Yep. In Detroit Lions blue and uh, white. So that's, yeah, that's, that's my new shirt for this season. I try to get a new shirt every season. And then you can hopefully burn it at the end of the season if we win the Super Bowl. <laughs> That'd be nice, wouldn't it? No, it goes in my collection of t-shirts. <laughs> well, right on. That's a good-looking shirt. And we got all the NFL Pepsi product cans mm-hmm. out. So I see you've been on a, a can frenzy here in the football man cave. Well, there was some uh, boxes of Ritz crackers that had uh, football tailgate okay, anything stuff on it. Anything football related. Anything that's got football on it, if it's a food packaging, I try the, to get that. Did you get the Captain Crunch dresses of football, like... Fan with a big foam finger. Uh, not recently. Is that new? Uh, I've seen it the last few weeks. I was wondering if you got I it. I have one from a, from one years ago. It was a touchdown crunch oh. is what it was. It's not like that. It's just regular crunch with him dressed in a referee uniform. It might be for the college oh. football season. I'd, I'll keep an eye out for you. Well, it's on the shelf sitting next to my box of Flutie Flakes. Yeah, so week one of the NFL currently underway. So football season, I guess, is in full swing. I mean, mm. it's been in swing year-round, but now we got the big hitter Yep. Out to play. So we're going to move. What's the next story? Uh, the next story is about computer chips. Okay, yeah, you were telling me about this year. when we were watching the This the, was so Lions strange. Game. I had no idea this has been going on the last few years. I thought it was always something that they'd talk about. I didn't know it was something they implemented this season. Well, it's it's not anything where they can track the ball for like a first down right, or a yeah, touchdown yeah. or anything like that. Uh, this article says that the NFL is expanding its data collection program, and I didn't even know they were doing a data collection program, but according to this uh, article, it said last season the NFL experimented with chips in kicking balls during the preseason and also during Thursday night games. Hmm. Uh, these these chips that are in the footballs uh, created by Zebra Technology and their radio frequency identification chips, RFID chips, and they work kind of as a accelerometer. They okay. they they measure the spin of the ball, um, that sort of thing. The speed that the ball is spinning, uh, whatever. It, so I don't know. Where, I know you're not you're not a big stat nerd. You're. Well, I don't know what this is gonna give them. I don't know. I, what, what I just think this is for those. Be. These it's, are for those guys like in the Professional Football Researchers Association that like <laughs> to keep track. And no offense to the guy, I'm sure he's a good guy. The, he kept track of all the uniform numbers that referees wore. Yes. You know there's somebody yes. out there that's going to be like, ooh, a new stat to keep track of. Yeah, like, there's what quarterback, a lot of stat like, geeks And you know there. they're going to be, and this will probably get up to ESPN, you know, they get their hand on the data. And it's just going to be hours of content for them. Like, oh, can uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, how tight is his spiral compared to Tom Brady? Right. Or uh, Matt Stafford's velocity coming out of, you know, a three-step right. drop as opposed to a five-step drop, you know. It's going to be crazy statistics that are probably completely irrelevant. Yeah. But 
Yeah, there's going to be guys out there who are just going to, pardon my phrasing, just get a massive hard on <laughs> for, for this type of stuff, and it's just it gets a little out of hand. Stats get to a point where it's like, okay, now you're just you're you're stretching it a bit there, and I think this is one of those things. If it's not for, um, you know, ball placement on the field, and right. you know, to improve the accuracy, if they if they really want to get accurate between yeah. having all the the cameras. Make sure it's like, oh, yeah, it is technically a first down. Have it alert automatically. Like, it's a first down across the line. Like, yeah, I really this don't is, see where this is going to yeah. help the game at all. It's just another stat that they people, people can play with. Yeah. And it says that the players have actually been wearing uh, similar chips in their shoulder pads, uh, tracking certain things, since see, 2014. See, that makes more sense. That seems more uh, applicable to the football world right now because of all of the injuries and you know concussions being everything uh, you showed me a great video by uh Adam Ruins everything i think oh, is yeah. the name of that show yep. and he talked about football and how every hit technically can cause sure that type of stuff like even a hit on the arm even the littlest hit that enough of those can eventually lead to long term damage so yep. i think it's interesting to see like that applied in that regard that makes more sense than the velocity or the, the, the rotation of a football from, mm-hmm. yeah, let's move on from that. I can't, yeah, I, I'm tired of it. Yeah. I just, the point I was trying to make was that I didn't even know they were doing this and I didn't know they were collecting these Well, it's got to be one of it's those. It's been going on for a couple right, of years. It's got to be one of those things that keep it hush-hush. They do it. Maybe you got a little publicity out there for a minute, but not one of those things they're going to too heavily uh, talk about while they're doing this initial run because then it'll be, under a microscope, scrutinized by yeah. uh, two amateur football lovers in Kalamazoo, <laughs> Michigan, in their man cave. Yeah. They don't want that. Well, it, the article does say that these chips weigh three grams, so I don't think they're affecting the, no. the I, flight of the ball at all. If they were to have implemented that, then they would have to make sure it didn't have any impact sure. on the ball. Yeah. But, though, I wonder if the secret reason is to make sure that Tom Brady is not deflating any more footballs. Ooh, I hadn't thought about that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know if they... Uh... I don't think it'll track the ball pressure. No. no. Okay, moving on to college football. I don't know if you saw this or not uh, this week, but the Iowa Hawkeyes have begun a new tradition during their games. Uh, after the, At the end of the first quarter, the entire crowd gets up and turns around and waves to some children in a hospital because there's a hospital right next to the stadium. Yeah, and from I... the upper floor, the, the patients can look down on the field, and so the entire crowd gets up after the first quarter and waves to the kids at the hospital. That, I thought that was great. I did see that on Saturday. Um, I didn't have my phone on most of the weekend, but when I did check it, I think I stumbled upon that either from you posting that on the World of Football Facebook page mm-hmm. or somewhere else just, just happening to be surfing around for five minutes. I was on my phone to save battery life. Mm-hmm. But completely fascinating. Good for them. I always love I love little college traditions like that, sure. like and I hope it sticks. Oh yeah, that's uh, a good one. So kudos to Iowa, kudos to the uh, the fans mm-hmm. and the uh, the whole uh, university. Yep, I think that is is a wonderful tradition to start up. Yep, I agree. All right, in other news, Taylor Swift. Uh, Next, it, it was announced that she's going to be performing at halftime. Why is this of the a story? College football national championship game in Atlanta on January eighth. Uh, well, you're more into music than I am. I'm I, I'm I, into 70s and 80s music. That's my era. Uh, I didn't know what you would think about Taylor Swift. Taylor, I don't know. I I kind of respected her when she was full blown country. Now that she's like super pop star, and you see the bull, you know, the BS uh, articles about her having a feud with whatever artist. Like she, whatever. <laughs> I don't care. 
I, that's all I have to say. Is I don't care. They, okay. I think they just go through the list of pop stars that haven't played a national championship or a Super Bowl, and they're like, all right, well, I guess Taylor Swift's up. I don't know. Well, we had the story. Maybe Nicki Minaj had a, a conflict of interest yeah. there, and I would have rather seen Nicki, but whatever. We had a story a couple of weeks ago where Shania Twain's going to be performing at the CFL Grey Cup. That's game. different, isn't Shania Canadian? Yes. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, well, they only have Canadian. And Shania's performers classic. At the Grey Taylor Swift jury's still out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just one of those like every year we hear who's playing the Super Bowl, and you kind of just shrug like maybe they'll put on a good show. Like Lady Gaga, you're like, well, she'll put on a show, but I don't know if I'll enjoy it. And I just ended up enjoying it. I do like Lady Gaga. Yeah. yeah. I thought Katy Perry did a good job. Katy Perry put on a wonderful show. I can't speak for her uh, latest music video, but we won't go into that. <laughs> but to me, the all-time best was when Paul McCartney performed it. That's up there. I put that up there. I've just always been a Paul I mean, McCartney like, fan, so I that prefer, was great for me. I'll admit, I prefer the more... Um, traditional? Traditional, just like, you know what, it's not show-offy. Maybe some pyrotechnics like Paul did, some sure. cool video board effects. And then you get like the Black Eyed Peas like the next year, a couple years later, where it's like, they're coming down from the rafters. <laughs> they're wearing space suits with lights on them i just i like the showmanship but it's hard to find that balance between you put on an actually good music show without lip syncing like paul could do but paul doesn't have the showmanship of like a black eyed peas with all that video board stuff sure. so it's i don't know it's a give and take either you get a really good artist and get a a typical concert type show or you get a performer mm. and you get a show that songs where everybody kind of knows and it's just like kind of playing it safe almost. Yeah. So you pl- you play more for the spectacle as opposed to putting on a actually technically good performance. Mm. But whatever. I'm sure she'll do fine. She's not terrible. Sure. Let's move on. I'm tired of this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the Legends Football League, uh, finally, we know the, the score of that game. This game was played on September 3rd, but we didn't find the, out the score until last night when it was broadcast on... I don't even know what channel it was, but Direct this TV. Is on Direct TV. It was a Direct TV channel. I don't know. I don't. So we don't have Direct TV, so I don't know what channel it was. But it, it finally got broadcast. So they were very secretive about the the final score. We knew it was going to be the Seattle Mist and the Atlanta Steam, but we didn't know um, what the score was, even yeah. though it was played a week ago. And just last night, uh, they showed it on TV. So that this morning, I was able to find the score. Uh, the Seattle Mist beat uh, the Atlanta Steam, thirty eight twenty eight. And this is their second title in three years. Uh, Seattle has been in the title game three years in a row, and this is their second title in three years. So uh, congratulations to them. They went 6-0 and on the season. It's not a big season for them. No. But, uh, but three championships, in, or two championships in three years is pretty good. It's just an interesting, it's an interesting business model that this league is setting up where you play your game and you don't announce a score yeah. and you don't show it for a week. Right. Yeah, I kept I, I kept that... checking their Facebook page. I kept looking at their website, and there was nothing. Yeah, no, I mean, no hint as to what. I the don't know if it, I mean it's got to be working for them if they've been around mm. for a few years. Who knows? Uh, time will tell if it's a model that sticks. Yeah. So I don't know. I guess congratulations to the mist. Uh, that's about it. I mean, I haven't seen nothing. It's hard to you know want to be into it when yeah. You last have to year they were on delayed so MTV much. or two years ago. A lot of they had a lot of their games like yeah. uh, the the following week on MTV. You could see a lot of. Uh, shortened up games, you know, they they package it into like a one hour or whatever oh, program. Man. So yeah, you got the gist of the game, and that was that was fine. But now this year, uh, I've I've seen no highlights, uh, hardly at all, from yeah. the whole season. Yeah, hopefully so. moving forward, they can change that model up. So, yeah. all right, moving on to the CFL. 
the Hamilton Tiger Cats have now won two games in a row under their new head coach, June Jones. Isn't that fascinating? So we talked last week, we, a week ago today, we were talking about, are they going to get that first win? Yep. You're 0-8. In, in less than a week, Yep. two wins. Two wins. So something's happening in Hamilton right now, so keep yep. an eye out for them. Yep. And they're only uh, in that weak uh, Eastern Division. They, oh, yeah, uh, two games back. They're two games back of first place, so uh, <laughs> they could still be a playoff team. Uh, after going 0-8. Who knows? I'm pulling for the... They're now my... Uh, who I'm going to root for to get to the title game. Let's go from <laughs> worst to winning the Grey Cup this yeah. year. Yeah. Oh, excuse me. Okay, and another thing that happened uh, this, this week, the uh, Banjo Bowl was played up in Winnipeg between the Blue Bombers and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. What exactly is the Banjo Bowl? Like, well, what's I'll, the background of this? I'll explain it to you, but first let me tell you that Winnipeg did beat Saskatchewan this week, 48-28 in that I'm game. I'm not interested in that. I want to know why it's called the Banjo Bowl. All right, here's why it's called the Banjo Bowl. <laughs> Please get on it. I'm, I'm back in pins two, and needles. Back in 2003, the kicker for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, a guy by the name of Troy Westwood, Westwood, sorry, referred to the people in Saskatchewan jokingly as banjo-picking inbreds in an interview. Uh, (laughs) Not good. Later on that season, uh, he was asked about it again, and uh, he apologized for his earlier statement, saying that most people in Saskatchewan didn't know how to play the banjo. Oh, so yeah, he was just uh, having a good time with this, and uh, none of the fans took it very seriously. It was it was just a joke, just a way to get some attention for the game. Well, beginning in two thousand four, they started calling their rivalry uh, the Banjo Bowl, and it's the Banjo Bowl itself. Even though they play a few times during the season, it's always played. It's the first time that they meet after Labor Day. Okay. So whenever they meet, and it's always in Winnipeg. Uh, so their their first meeting after Labor Day is known as the Banjo Bowl. They have a pretty nice Banjo Bowl trophy that hmm. goes to the winning team. And the winning team gets ten thousand a $10,000 donation made to the United Way in their city from the losing from team. From the losing team, okay. So it's become a big charity thing, and it's all in fun. Okay. Uh, some of the fans bring cardboard banjos to the game, and everybody See, gets I, in the spirit of it. I like that quite a bit. Like, uh, anytime a professional sports can do something like that. Like mm-hmm. I like that in college. Like, you got the, the uh, little brown jug game. Mm-hmm. Uh the Michigan, Michigan State teams have the Paul Bunyan Trophy. Mm-hmm. I like stuff like that. And you see it all around college football. Well, um, even in the NFL, the Lions and the Browns. Well, the Lions, they used to do that with their preseason games, mm-hmm. the Great Lakes Trophy yep. or whatever. And I wish they would do that for the regular season. But, I mean, I guess in the NFL, with it being so corporate, it's mm-hmm. a lot harder to do. But I think it's really neat that, to see this between two teams. And I think that makes a specific game very special. So... A merchandising goes into it, so I'm surprised the NFL doesn't allow more of this. Mm-hmm. So, like if the Bears, like say the Bears and Packers, who have the longest rivalry, have some sort of special right. trophy for their matchup every year, I think that's extra incentive. And I, and I think giving it a little bit of that kind of college football flavor, mm-hmm. I think that would help. I think that that's a lot of fun, and, mm-hmm. I, and I, it makes a game unique. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, sure, yeah, you could be 0 5 going into that game, and you know what? Everybody's like, nope, we can win the. The banjo, the banjo bowl. bowl this year. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see more about this, I posted a video All on right, our World cool. of Football Facebook page. Definitely look it comes that right up. from the CFL website, so uh, they know what they're talking about, and uh, it was pretty interesting. And remember, it is .ca, not .com right. for all CFL, you Americans out there. The official website of the Canadian Football League is CFL.ca. Okay, and do, do we want to run down the standings real quick? Sure. Uh, updated standings. So now in the... Uh, East side of the CFL, 
we have a slight correction, and somebody has a apology, apology yes. for those up north of the border. Yes. Uh, I got looking at the stats this week, and I realized that I was missing the fact that Calgary and Ottawa had played to a tie in week one. So Calgary's record this week is 9-1-1, and and Ottawa's record is 4-7-1. and I apologize to everybody north of the border. Uh, I should have been paying closer attention the last few weeks we've been talking about the the uh, stats and the, and the standings, standings, and I totally missed the fact that uh, these two teams had played to a tie. And he will immediately, tomorrow morning, go and get his eyeglass prescription <laughs> updated so that this does not happen again. I'm not making any excuses, even though that is a hard little chart to read on their on their website. But, yeah, it's my fault. I missed it. Yeah. So we've got the, the current standings. And that uh, has Calgary sitting atop of the East still at 9-1 and 1. one. Uh, then followed by Winnipeg at eight and three, Edmonton at seven and four, Saskatchewan at five and five, and British Columbia at five and five. So everybody in the East still floating above five hundred. So over in the West is a different story still. Yeah, uh, some some weak teams in the West. Ottawa is in first place by a half a game with a seven four seven and one record. Toronto is at four and seven. Montreal three and eight, and Hamilton is now two and eight. So they're sneaking up, climbing sneaking up that up. ladder. Watch out for the Tiger Cats. All right, on. So that's the Canadian football standings, and we're going to move over into the upcoming events. Yes, September twenty fourth, the NFL Baltimore Ravens and the Jacksonville Jaguars will be playing at Wembley Stadium, nine thirty a.m. Eastern on Yahoo. It'll be the first of four games in London this season. Two being played at Wembley Stadium, and two at. Th- Twicken? Twickenham. Twickenham Stadium. Twickenham Stadium. Yep, they're both stadiums in London. So the NFL is still committing to this overseas game. Yep. And, and then a, we still have that one game in Mexico. We highlighted yep, that last game. week, too. So mm-hmm. there will be five out-of-country games. Yep. Which, and and this game is exclusively, I believe, on Yahoo. Exclusively, okay. So just another, Interesting. another media platform that uh, is mm-hmm. having an exclusive uh, NFL or college game this year. Well, I mean, the NFL can do whatever they want, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And that brings us to this week's history lesson. This week we're going to talk about how did Harvard University come to determine the size of the football field that we know today. Okay. It's a bit of an interesting story, but here's what happened. All right. In the late 1800s, the size of college football playing fields varied greatly. Many teams played on much bigger fields, similar to the size of the one that the CFL plays in Canada today. In the U.S., today's field in the United States is... 100 yards long, and it's 53 and a third yards wide with 10-yard end zones. That's 160 feet. In Canada, the field is 110 yards long, with, and it's 65 yards wide with 20-yard end zones. Now, in 1905, 19 young men died as a result of injuries sustained while playing football. That's when President Teddy Roosevelt called representatives of Harvard, Yale, and Princeton to the White House, as well as Walter Camp, to discuss what can be done to make the game safer. After that meeting, a committee was formed, which eventually would become the NCAA of today. Now, many suggestions came out of that meeting and subsequent meetings, and some were adopted, uh, but Walter Camp, the father of American football, suggested widening the size of the the field by an extra 40 feet, uh, spreading the players out even farther on the field. However, Harvard University objected to the change and the size of the field because in 1903 they opened Harvard Stadium. It was the first concrete stadium built specifically for football, and it's still in use to this day and is considered a national landmark. 
the larger size of the field simply would not fit into Harvard Stadium. And because Harvard carried a lot of clout back in those days, the idea was dropped. Instead, the forward pass was legalized in 1906, something that Walter Camp was very much against. Now, you got to consider this. Walter Camp's the, the father of American football. Mm-hmm. He came up with the line of scrimmage, the quarterback position, a lot of rules and things that we take for granted today, and he was very much against adding the forward pass to the game of football. So I just think that's ironic that something we take for granted today was rejected by, by Walter Camp. By one of the fathers of football. Yep, yep. But he was outvoted, and, uh, and the forward pass became a, a thing after 1906. So... You can thank Harvard University and its revolutionary concrete football stadium for keeping the size of the playing field the same that we enjoy in the United States today. Otherwise, we might all be playing on a field the size of the CFL. Which, actually, I don't mind. Uh, I, like, I love CFL football. But I like how unique that is compared to what we have. And yes. I think if, if it was all the same, maybe it would be a little like, right. oh, okay, yeah, whatever, a couple different rules, but the field's the same. But, yeah. nope, I, I like the, the differences. And yeah. I mean... It's a unique game, three downs instead of four, 12 players on right. the field instead of 11, but, the bigger field, the bigger end zones. But shoot, if just think of what would have happened if we would have approved it, like all the stadiums in the United States and that Harvard Stadium having to be changed or build a new yep. one. So very interesting. I guess I didn't know that go, uh, until you told me about that recently when you said you were going with that as your history lesson. So yep. very fascinating. And you, you got to see the outside of the stadium? I saw the Yale Bowl. Okay, so Yale. Okay, Harvard's on the yep. bucket list, though. Yep. Right on. Yeah, I want to see both stadiums. I, I drove around Yale's uh, Yale Bowl Stadium. Did not get a chance to go in, but um, I did, did drive around it. Okay. Got some pictures, but still want to see a game there someday. Yeah. All right. Anything else that you wanted to add? Not much. I'm ready to uh, almost get out of here. I have not <laughs> been home yet. I made sure to come here right after... Uh, my camping trip was over. Yep. So just so we can get this out of the way, get the Lions game out of the way. Um, yep. It'll be a good night's sleep tonight. No oh, I hope Lions so. Going. And I still got to go to work and uh, you know tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm ready to wrap this up whenever you are. Okay. Well, that's all we've got for this week then. To learn more about everything that we talked about today and more, visit our website at theworldoffootball.com. You can also like The World of Football on Facebook at TWOF. Kalamazoo, where we post a lot of great CFL highlights and other unique stories and pictures from all over the world of football. You can even follow us on Twitter. The address there is also TWOFK Kalamazoo. Um, Our podcast, which uh, you're probably listening to right now, can be found on SoundCloud and iTunes, so please subscribe, rate, review, let us know what you think. Uh, tell your friends find somebody who enjoys football and would uh, like a nice little unique slice of football information and just uh, chit chat uh, a half hour out of their day uh, would greatly help us out yeah it's it's not the kind of format you're going to hear anywhere else who else is talking about college cfl nfl and all the other things that we talk about we're trying to mush all that down into one 30 minute section for you to just listen to get all the essentials out instead of having to have five or six different places and listen to all that which could add up to hours we're trying to do it for you yep. and you can also email us at info at the world of football.com if you're so inclined so join us again next week when we'll review all the happenings in the world of football until then i'm randy snow and i'm adam snow and we'll see you again next week Play clock at 
three. Matthews got it back, sets, looks, throws. He's got Golden Tatum, makes the catch inside the 15, inside the 10, and he's breaking away. He's into the end zone. Pack the bags, start the plane. This game is over. It is over. What a comeback by the Lions.